0: Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I have had the privilege of meeting a number of individuals that have shared fascinating stories from their experiences in the pre-COVID, COVID, and now in the expanded COVID period. Out of 220 podcasts to date, many of my guests have highlighted their commitment to help a variety of charitable and social impact agencies. Examples of two such organizations that have recently stood out to me include First, the In From The Cold charity that Abir and Aya Al-Qadri from A to Z Liquidation support. They were my guests on episode 220. Second, the Brown Bagging for Calgary's Kids is just one charity that Matthew Andrade and his family business, Gentleman Rogue, are supporting. Matthew was my guest on episode 200. Take the time to consider donating to either one or both of these organizations. Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids can be found at bbck4.org, and In From the Cold has a unique website, onesmallgift.ca. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. I'm your host Alan Wozni, and today I have remotely joining me on the phone Randine Seaman. Yes, with
1: honor. Thank you for having me.
0: Randine, it's my pleasure, and I have to tell you this is episode number two hundred and twelve, and I don't know how many how that number means what that means to you, but I think there's a lot of reservoirs that'll probably cover like a corner section of Alberta in terms of oil oil licenses and things like that that's related to your work.
1: It sure it sure could
0: be. So Randine, tell us a little bit about your company on it onit Inc and uh, what got you what got you started in that, that business
1: Yeah thanks, thanks again for having me Alan. So what on it is is it, it was created based on my pain points from working with industry right. So I've worked in oil and gas for just under 20 years um moving from small town Saskatchewan, i ended up becoming a heavy equipment operator where i would operate 174 ton uke truck and trailer belly dump nice knowing knowing that that physical
2: labor was not my my speed (laughs) after after a couple years doing that
0: i decided to where was where 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 was that where was that that was in southeast Saskatchewan. one at, uh, it, was, it was called Luskar when I worked there. Oh, yeah. Luskar gr- yeah. Oil and Gas. I remember them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, actually,
2: I, I think Mannix has owned them a couple times. Right. They bought uh, they and sold, sold the mine a couple times. I think it's now called Share It Cool. So oh. back when I worked at it, it was Luskar. Yeah. And
1: so... Deciding that, I, I knew that the, the heavy equipment wasn't for me for long term, um, but I still wanted to deal with uh, the, being being in the energy industry.
0: So, I mean, so what was I that? Up- I just, I love these little stories. So, uh-huh. let's go back. That heavy, what was it? Just some kind of a bucket truck, a massive cat diesel?
1: It was a, it, it was, yeah, it was called a U- it was a truck and trailer, and then it had a belly dump. So so what would happen is uh, the drag line would, would strip out a, a big piece of earth yeah. down to the coal zones. Then you'd have a front-end loader, um,
2: and, like, uh, 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 there was other equipment there, obviously. Sure. <laughs> but the front-end loader would, uh, would load
1: up my truck full of coal, and then I would drive from from the pit All the way to uh, we we had fast power. Yeah, and so we would uh, we would drive over top of a hole in the in the ground, and the belly to the trailer would open up, and the coal would fall down, and then it it would go into the power plant and create electricity.
0: But that just sounds like fun. I'm sorry. I want to (laughs) go. That sounds like fun. But okay, we'll we'll fast forward now. I'm sorry to 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 get distracted. it, It was a
2: lot of fun. Yeah.
1: You just have to remember the type of roads that you're on and running uh, 12-hour shifts, it, it, it does become hard on a person's body. So I, I ended up with a couple back problems from it.
0: Yes, I understand. And,
1: which I still have to t- today, and that was over 20 years ago.
0: Well, episode yeah. 102, episode 103, Janice Eisenman, she can help you with that, My Body Couture. She works oh. with similar, yeah. You got to go back a few episodes, but yeah, she'll. I think okay. she'll help you on that. Okay,
1: okay. okay. that sounds great. Knowing that I wanted to stay in the energy industry, I ended up moving to Alberta, and uh, I started taking um, industrial ecology, which is an environmental science, so it would be utilizing one company's waste for another company's profit, and it was the first year it was implemented at Mount Royal, and it was, let's just say it was something to be It was less than desirable the way that they set up the course. So my roommate at the time, who was from Saskatchewan also, we were both like, well, what are we going to do? Like, we don't really want to start
2: jobs yet. and We
1: we need a degree or a diploma, at least. Like, we need something. What are we going to do to make money? And he's like, well, my dad's a landman and he's rich. I'm like, oh, out on the farm, (laughs) landman needs to come and drop off checks. Let's go be landmen and nice. that was literally the start of of my career.
0: <laughs> well, wow, because I mean literally because I I worked a lot in the oil, you know, with oil companies as Ernst and Young as a, as an auditor and yes. la- the land people were the, one of the, the stops that the auditors would make and talk about the leasehold you know, the leasehold, subsurface That's lease, right. all of that. Like literally they had yes. they had the knowledge. They had the yes. knowledge.
1: Yes. So so before you can even identify a location that you want to put a project on
0: okay randy maybe just repeat that last piece about the landman
1: yeah so before you even can identify location you're working with reservoir geology uh engineering construction every every kit and caboodle to to run an operation um you need to identify land topography, drainage, environmental mitigations. there, there is a, a whole kit and caboodle yeah. that goes into a project before a project is really kicked off. This usually happens at a tabletop scout, is what what we call it in the industry, right. where we we look at um, at the the entirety of the asset that they're wanting to either a drill into. Or or connect uh, facilities or pipelines or etc. And it's there. There is a whole list of identifiers that need to be done. And landmen are, are typically right there giving guidance, yeah. especially on the environmental and uh, and
0: accessibility. Is that so? Is that the designation? So you were at Mount Royal. Did you shift over to get a landman landman credentials?
1: You got it. Yes i uh i ended up going to Olds college um and acquiring my land
0: agent license i love the so old there, grizzlies isn't that the old grizzlies the hockey team
2: <laughs> it sure is yeah yeah
1: yes it is so so as soon as I, uh, I started the course, I ended up getting an internship within in and then I worked for many, many years with Incana after yeah. I had my designation, I worked all of Alberta through them. Um, they were doing uh, a boatload of CBM. They had some oil plays. They had everything. So Wait, CBM is ca- uh,
0: coal bed methane.
1: You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they're shallow wells, low psi uh, sweet, typically. Um, so yeah, we uh, we uh, I work there, and um, we hit. Uh, I mean, I've gone
0: through a number. Now, of sweet, mean, sweet meaning sweet meaning high high API grade of uh, the oil. Well. No, no, sweet
1: meaning uh, zero H two
0: f Oh, okay. I didn't know that. See that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so either you're gonna be it can be sweet or sour, gas or oil. And so there's identifiers that go into that.
0: Well, I remember, I mean, remember the, the, the level of the sulfur content has to be very low or it's poison. It can poison the people around the gas flare. You got it.
2: Yeah. You got it. But there's a lot of
0: mitigation and prevention when you are drilling into sour zones
1: or producing sour uh, solutions. Okay. So gas, oil, whatever it is, there are, um, Preventions, uh, the security measures, safety measures—all of that stuff is taken into consideration, and uh, the, the regulations cover all of all of that. Sure,
0: and uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's because it's sulfur cat or that the sulfur content can it can be poisonous to people if it's released in the atmosphere. But I mean, you, this reminds me of my discussion with Carrie McGrath from International Ultrasonic Technologies. They clean heavy oil to go shipping. I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's, I think they removed the sulfur because it is very corrosive to the shipping tanks overseas. That's right. Yeah, the overseas yeah. vessels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that is completely right. And also
1: pipeline integrity, if you've got uh, any type of sour content in there Right. Um, to, to to conduct any type of uh, investigations or uh, pipeline integrity and things like that. To, to keep the, the corrosion lower, you wanna make sure that it's still flowing. If you have any type of H2O uh, solution and the pipe is sitting stagnant with material within the pipe, right. it will cause corrosion on the pipe, on the facility, on the the, the, the well site, all of that. Sure. So as long as it's, it's moving and it doesn't fit there, Typically doesn't eat. Uh, eat the.
0: But you, you as a land person or land, you sit in the room with all of that tech, all those people talking about that. You have to be. You
1: got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Plus, we're dealing with so as a landman, we're dealing with the field, so operations, construction, um, trucking. Like we deal, we deal with every single touch point of of the entire operation. We're a part of. General so okay including regulatory, including environmental, sure. including every, kit, again. Kit and Caboodle. caboodle.
0: You like that one? Yeah. But I mean, literally, I look at your website, and the first thing that came up was project management solutions. Now listening, and I'm like, but you're doing compliance and all that, your software, when you're now listening to you, I get that. You're It's Thank literally, you. it's the soup to nuts. I heard that term before. The, the yeah. soup to nuts is everything from A to Z, whatever, you know, whatever you want to put on that moniker you want to put on this. So, yeah
1: yeah you you got it right so so as i transitioned I've, I've worked with large uh major operators right down to small micro operators yeah and so i saw consistency use and pain points with every single um sized operator
2: right where where they're segmented and and each
1: department has their own system, their own spreadsheet, their own everything, and nothing tied it together to identify that full life cycle. And that was the biggest pain point within the, the, every single company
2: that I worked with. Right. Even in our meetings, it, it, there
1: was no transparency with where each of the projects were and what was having to be done, as well as prioritization within each department might not match the prioritization in the next department. Therefore, there's legs or or bottlenecks within completing that process in a timely and efficient manner. Or there was redundancies. So one department was doing the same thing as the second department was sure. doing. And so again, that, that process flow was not uh, Did not have any fluid uh, uh, flow. So what we've done is we've looked at each department within a, a company, created actual process flows for for each one of those uh, project identifiers. So
2: right. say your your
1: mineral land and you are going to do a continuation well what is that process flow for continuation or you're in engineering and you're doing your uh, engineering um planning for for drilling a well right. what is that process flow so we've identified those process flows from a bird's eye view then we've attached them to actual trackers so what does each step uh, Consists of uh, to complete that that specific piece of that project. So we can be tracked via timing as well as accountability sure. for whoever's working on that specific task.
0: So, then le- le- we let's take, well, yeah? Because le- this is this is important. So you're taking a bird's eye view and things are happening. Aren't those processes and the, they're decades, generations almost now old? I, 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 did you eliminate some where it says, well, do you need? steps one to 17 you really only need 15 or did you come across that
1: yeah so with the regulations ever changing yeah um especially on the environmental side of things where emissions now are really 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 um uh prominent right uh there, there are certain things that consistently stay the same but there's also changes that happen within each one of those processes and what I was going to say before is so you've got those specific department processes
2: yeah however we have a, a group like an
1: overall life cycle project tracker that loops those specific processes into that full life cycle so every single department is part of that full life cycle because so they can see um, where where they are within that that full project yeah however it also Dive into what that specific department needs to do. So, so you have your shareholders, management, um, accounting, CFOs to, to run their, their agility or or to uh, do their quarterly results. They are they have the accessibility and ability to identify. Whether they're going to be able to include that production to their quarterly results, or you know if they're going to be over budget for this specific project because yeah. they're only halfway through and they've already hit their their projected um, costs associated to that, that there, there is so much more um, visual and transparency that what that it provides to the company, because most of the time they're either Sitting on somebody's private Excel spreadsheet that right. is not shared with anyone, or you know, if there is um, a transition for for an employee, either outside or within the company, right. and a new person stepping in, they don't know where that project is sitting. And I have personally experienced this, a new like numerous
0: times. Well, it's like you just said, you you. I think you said earlier that your pain points. That on you you got on it you created on it or you you your, your initi- the initiation for that was because of the pain points you suffered. Yes. So, so yes. I mean, if I think if I take that bird's eye view and I spent some time in the Middle East on construction projects and project management, as you said, lack of transparency or you know you get surprises. This seems to be wow a lot of pain points a lot of areas where there's a what you call it the the, the cog in the wheel. You know uh-huh. what? What's where's your you know there there's there seems to be a lot of points where you say well wait a minute you didn't get the certification the sequencing right,
2: That's the, right.
0: the lack of sequencing if you're not done did, did, does your does I mean uh, maybe it's very specific but I'm thinking wow a lot of the interdepartment uh, one guy's holding guy or girl's holding that spreadsheet you know there's a lot of st- points that'll stop how yes.
2: how yeah. Oh.
1: So- trackers operate is you've got a task holder so for that specific task you have an identifier so somebody's email address goes in there right they have a proposed timeline that it should be complete and then a completed timeline and so say engineering is using a company like Wellsview or stratix or whatever it is to sure deal with all of their construction, drilling operations, all of that stuff. There is information that goes into those specific software that we are—we have the accessibility to back-end bridge into our software and share data back and forth, also into accounting systems, um, et cetera, whatever, whatever each department is is utilizing. We've, we've also worked with mapping systems where we exchange data uh, in the back-end and run yeah. algorithms and, and such forth. Um, so by doing that, also, it eliminates um a lot of those redundant meetings emails uh tracking auditability is a big one as well so every company is supposed to be self-auditing and that is the the standard straight across the board uh within canada they're supposed to be self-auditing
0: so that's self you i think you mentioned earlier offline we were talking self so the in terms of compliance right you're talking with government regulation self self self-regulation or self-auditing Yeah.
1: Exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so with that, we have the ability to allow for the regulator, whichever department it is that wants to audit a specific project or yeah. a specific area, we can give them um, limited access to those specific projects. So they can run their audits without having to really bother anyone within the company to go pull pull files that paper files look for sticky notes uh contact (laughs) operators but there is a there is a really big problem when you're when you're doing acquisitions or divestments a lot of times the companies that are being audited didn't even do the work they just Took it
0: on from uh, some type of a transaction, right? And so, oh, because the un- yeah, the under because yeah. that's the oil and gas consolidation. I mean, you've had every every other year there's that uh, consolidation. So yeah, the files are passed on. Do you? Totally. How do you? So yeah. have you? I mean, that I love that point because that steps into another area where you've got sixteen different people involved with one one transaction basically. If if you're gonna if the auditor comes in, how do they do? it? How do they overcome that?
1: It, exactly. So what normally would take a minimum of four days, like minimum four days to acquire all that information, we can just allow them access. So the, the, the regulator access into that specific project or area whatever it might be. Yeah. They can look at where those projects were, um, how they were handled, the time frame on all of that, what actually was done, which was identified in each one of those tasks, then ask the operator for specifics. So if they want specifics on the drilling or specifics on um, notifications to a stakeholder or something like that, sure. then it allows them to See exactly where those projects are. See that they ran them regulatory compliant, and then ask for any additional specifics that that they would want, if if they would even want them or need them.
0: What about? I mean, just on a real because you talked earlier about land, and you have to know your territory. That land, you know, I remember subsur- subsurface use and the royalties paid. Uh-huh. I mean, did the did the individual landowners, farmers, whoever that you know, would they? Did they get can they audit or request that information just out of curiosity?
1: No, no. Um, but so the specific landowners that have a well on their land, yeah. They 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 can't request an audit. They can file a statement of concern yeah. to the AER, which then can trigger possibly an audit, but more than likely it, it would have to be very specific, and it couldn't go into the, the AER. Doesn't
2: deal with. Um, and this is Alberta. AER yeah, Alberta, Alberta regulator. Energy Regulator. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, um, they
1: don't go into any type of uh, monetary um, uh, reviews.
0: Okay. No, it's. Good. I just. I never. By a different regulator. So that power, they they have a quite a lot of power. The government has a lot of power in terms of access to information. Do you need to get approvals from all the? And say if it's a joint if it's a joint interest there's 17 different oil companies on that title do you need approval from all of them or how does that work um, if AER, uh, a, yeah if aer says we want an audit we want to audit this compliance and the trail and all that you said it takes 4 days but could a few minutes but right. it, do you need to get approvals from everyone before you can so so the
1: aer would never come to audit for an audit they would go to the license yeah so whomever that is, so let's so say oil and gas one two three is at the AER or regulator has requested to do an audit Got on it. a specific project. It would go to that license holder if they were a, a, a subscriber to on it. We could give, with with the operator's approval, we sure. could give them limited access to that specific project for them to review what was done with that project and. Uh,
2: and they,
0: then they can go from there. Well, anyway, that's got it. I mean, we, you should have another company called Got It. We, we've got, <laughs> you on it, we got it. No, I, <laughs> the play on words. But okay, so on it seems to be pretty comprehensive. I mean, that's a yeah. lot of moving parts. How do, you, uh, how do you explain that in Nicole's notes or the 30-second elevator ride? And we don't We can go into other details, but how do you explain that to people that are just mired by a lot of information?
1: Yeah, so how we, we describe ourselves, we are a centralized, regulatory-compliant project
2: management software. <laughs> That's great.
1: It's a lot of work, yeah. um, but that is, is exactly what we do. We do project trackers to 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 scope full life cycle. We do uh, department uh, processes yeah. to, for their uh, piece of that full life cycle. Yeah. Plus, we automate documentation, eliminating onerous data entry. We back end bridge. We um, so
0: the back. Have so, a technical we have a live
1: chat with uh, with regulatory specialists as well. Yeah. So, any questions you may have, we can we can
0: answer. So, you've got a relationships. You def- definitely have relationships with all those parties, right? If you've got individual clients and customers, government regulators. How do you do? You manage your relationships as it, uh, separately? Is it part of? Is it embedded in your? You know, say I need I need the, this license, and who are all the people involved? You know, that 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 itself is a, re, a relationship, a community, a small little community. Does that manage huh. as well? And I'm just putting that out there.
1: Yeah. So so depending on the subscriber or the let's just call them an operator. Yeah. Dependent on on. Um, Who their team is, if it's a a fully enclosed in-house team, it would be identified. They they would all be identified as the task holders. But most companies operate with an internal team and an external team. That would be contractors, -contractors, subcontractors, things like that. Everyone would have access to to whatever the projects are that they're assigned to.
0: Within on it, yeah, Yeah. okay. Yeah, no, it's incredible because I think of. You know, just think of the the tie. Even back to your point about the the individual with the spreadsheet and the kind of holding it close to their chest. You know, all the yeah. cards, right? That that, I mean, that that still does that still exist. And what's in, how does what what's incentive for people like that to change, whether it's companies or individuals? Yeah, so it
1: does still exist. Um, it is very hard uh, for anybody to accept any type of change as well as let go of of what they know. Now, the, the incentive for them is they are able to let this agnostic system run the project sending out the notifications the kickoff emails running the reports doing look back reviews um, we have we're putting together a matrix for uh, uh, reclamation to identify a company's um, high risk medium risk low risk uh, to, to be able to project future um, future work that needs to be done um, but coming back to uh, uh, the the, the making the change is the fact that these targeted people are able to do their value add work, and and again, we just take away all of that onerous data entry, the project tracking, make it make it as transparent as possible. Yeah. So the companies that we do have on, they have they they, they are shocked at how easy it is to operate on the client interface, as well as um, be able to move the project faster um, and more efficient while they're working on their value-add. So so say an engineer is the guy that used to run all the projects, he now can focus on his engineering duties as opposed to the full project management tracking.
2: Well, you know, it, it,
0: it likens it to the, I mean, I listened to a podcast about, about medical, it was a to uh, innovation in medical tech. And so the, the doctor with tech, uh, the, the guy was saying that the, 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 the medical professional, he's more, he's more, uh, he's less time, he spends more time complying with the tech than he does with his day to day. So the tech has overburdened him. So in this case, okay. it's the other way where the mundane tasks, routine tasks are are overburdening individuals and i I think you're just muddying the water you're clearing those muddy waters for a lot of those individuals
1: exactly exactly as well as um ensuring that the company is as knowledgeable as possible which also makes them more competitive so being able to run all of those those uh, reports yeah. and any type of reporting that, that a company wants. So once a company comes on, we do a data dump in the back end of all of their projects. So completed projects, projects that are suspended, decommissioned, en route for reclamation, like all of them and and we we run an algorithm in in the back end which then identifies where each one of these projects will sit within on its system sure and at that point you can run um, any type of algorithms uh, so you can run look back reports for specific projects you can See what you're you're actually holding on to. When you have an acquisition or divestment, you're able to either dump in yeah. the the, the projects or or remove them at. I mean, it's pretty much pretty well a click of the button. Um, and so so that having that accessibility and agility is very important. Also, being able to run your forecast. Uh, especially on the reclamation, and of things because this is so important right now in this today's age, um, investors are, are very key to know if an operator is in good standing or if they're doing their, their duties and their tasks um, effective and efficiently. Sure. So we're able to run reports for the investment companies, companies, um, uh, show show uh good standing for um for any type of investors as well as shareholders current shareholders
0: yeah so you you, you talked a lot about data and pulling data it, there's obviously a tech involved in that and, and running i mean if, the, if you've got different systems i mean if you whatever oil and gas sap or erp systems are using uh-huh. are you i mean this is the api link not the 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 grade of the oil, but the actual API connecting the two, the two data pieces. Do you have, do you, is that your own software? Do you tech overlays onto that? Maybe you can talk about your tech a bit. I have a
1: development company here in Calgary. So everything about uh, Onnit is Canadian, absolutely everything. So we're giving, giving, giving folks, um, in Canada, a chance to
2: work and, and be a part of Onnit itself. Right.
1: And so, um, with that, we, we do have a, a, a IT department that, that consults with us that has developed uh, Onnit, um, the actual Onit software. Right. And the majority of our software is customized.
0: Okay, so you've got to, so that do you this maybe gets too tech, technical? But in terms of the data management, I mean, it's this is where you know the the when you get into. Well, I'm not going to get too technical because I'm not that I'm not a technical expert, but just the data management from the multiple different softwares. Because you've got uh-huh. small oil oil codes, you've got big oil codes. Some are now there's a big consortium using blockchain, and others are still yeah. using PDF files. How do you, do you could you do? You, can you walk through some of that? How a typical day would would be with that range of clients? Yeah, it's, well,
1: like my day or their days.
0: Well, I don't know who. I mean, if you're bringing that, I got a new client. I got a big client, a small client. Uh, one's the, the very technical. Uh, you, is it something that you, you bring the IT guy and they, they go in the room and deal with it, or do you get involved in that as well? Yeah. Well, nobody's really meeting
2: anymore, so we're doing a ton of video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ton of video meetings, right. and so what what we would do is when we're onboarding
1: the the company, we deal with. Uh, with it's usually a C suite, the, the C suite members right. and their IT uh consultants. So normally a, a company will have either internal IT uh, folks or an external company that deals with all of their IT. And so dealing with them, we would look at and I mean some companies don't want to do data dumps of, of all of their um, all of their projects. Uh, pre-existing into into the software some of them just
2: want to do brand new operational uh, projects right within, within on it start from, scra- so start from it, scratch start from scratch yeah it would be up to them what they want to do
1: other companies want to do data dumps they want to customize certain project processes how on it is set up in its uh, standardized package is it's based on regulations So you can't do anything below what we have identified in here because you'd be outside of the regulatory process. But some companies want to be above and beyond that regulatory process. And at least with our system, you can see the the base of it. So we do do customizations where we we add in specific functions or categories that they're requesting. And we can um, uh, template that for their company. Specifically, we do not hold any proprietary data, but like files um, or survey plans. But we have worked with other uh, software companies that do hold uh, massive amounts of data for project files, so we can back end break. So any of the, the documents that automatically need to be done for sure. certain projects it will automatically just save in that file folder. Yeah, And if not, it just gets emailed to whomever uh, is is running that project. It'll just get emailed directly to them where we don't hold that proprietary data. Um, However, like future stuff like reclamation, we have um, templated uh, site review forms and stuff like that that's not proprietary because it is public.
0: But I think your data... Uh, data I think that what I listening to, I understand the confidentiality. They want to, they want to preserve their proprietary information, but I think your data, which is now specific to the movement of, you know, the time save that Ford, you mentioned, we'll, we'll talk about that. The, the, you know, taking a month to do an audit, you know, sort of that data, which, uh-huh. which can speak, speak volumes in terms, of, in terms of new onboard new clients or government. Here's what we're doing. Efficiencies we're doing. Does, I mean, maybe this is over over the top here, but I'm thinking, wow, your data itself. When if there's a power in that, and I I don't know your data points, your specific data points, not your clients, but what you're doing yeah. for your clients.
1: Yeah, yeah. So again, you can you can scale up
2: your company without having to scale staff. Yeah,
1: it is really what it what it breaks down to. So the, it eliminates a lot of that redundancy, a lot of that time time, uh, and I'm going to use quote unquote time wasters. It's not time wasters that it, it it just a time waster that somebody actually has to do it when it can be automated, and so that's what we've done is we've just automated it tr- thoroughly.
0: Yeah, that, I mean that 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 automation helps, and but so the, the it helps you, it helps your clients, and turn yeah. your turnaround times, and you mentioned. You know, as I said, we were talking about the offline, the 30 days to do an audit, which is now down to a few minutes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And even, even doing, um. Amalgamations between companies. There's been there's been a bunch that have happened recently, uh, where where a number of companies have amalgamated to become one company. Right. It would it, it would be at the, the click of a button, we'd be able to move all of that data in into that one company, as opposed to you know having full data rooms, having full um, uh, data uh, entry or back end uh, data dumps.
0: Right. So when you talk about amalgamation, you're talking about legacy companies. They've bought up smaller or they've consolidated a bunch of fields or wells and they sort of have, we're going to do one company and here you go.
1: You got it. That's exactly it. And so what we'd be able to do with that is bring in all of those projects, identify them where they are within their processes and make it clear and transparent to the entire company as a whole to know exactly what, what are the next steps that that need to happen right
2: from kickoff through to operations
1: and, and so forth.
0: And even as you said earlier, but about the compliance so the if the government AR and the regulators are going to do an audit you'll have all that history as well uploaded you,
1: you got it you got it as well you have to remember too um, there's new regulations with OPEGA as well about uh, operators having to confirm that they've reviewed all of the um, service companies Engineering drawings or engineer reports—all of that needs to
2: be tracked to stay regulatory compliant. And we solve that.
1: And and again, it's not—it's not just the the energy regulator. Then you've got the environmental. You've got federal regulations. Like there's a whole a whole wide array of different regulations that come together that. A lot of folks, as as the companies are shrinking with people, may may be missing some of that information.
0: You know, I'm just thinking. It's, oh, I'm just thinking a lot in my head here as you're speaking about the whole process and your pain points. Is your you know? I'm going to use the word user experience because you mentioned your IT guys, you know, department consultants. But it sounds like a lot of this comes from you, your experience, your user experience has shaped the way your platform or on it uh, as, you know, the software is built. Exactly. That's exactly
1: it. Again, um, a lot of, a lot of tech companies hear pain points
2: from, Certain industries. Yeah. And then they, they're just, they're like, well, I'm, I'm
1: a, a computer whiz, I'm going to fix that. Yeah. Where a lot of them um, mistakenly try to do that is they'll do it without actually diving into what those pain points are. Where I have experienced these pain points personally, yeah. spoke with the department experts, and have come up with a, a, an effective solution that. Is 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 effective in in solving those specific pain points that are are real? They're they're absolutely real to that specific industry.
0: You know, so we're going to talk about COVID a little bit because you you mentioned earlier nobody's meeting anymore. So that's a big shift, and that's a change of uh, in the oil patch. Everyone loved the meetings, right? I mean, travel out to the field, and so how has that changed for you and your your clients?
1: Yeah. So with on it, again, we reduce <laughs> meetings because yeah. everything is transparent um, within that that full life cycle regulatory process. Everyone ha- is accountable for their tasks and their timing to those tasks to complete that specific project. It really alleviates the the need to have those redundant and consistent meetings, but. Um, and working from home, it, it it lays lays out the project, lays out the company's um, uh, uh, future um, within within the software. Right. Uh, so the the necessity for those meetings are are reduced significantly.
0: So that was pre COVID. That was a pre COVID thing. You kind of already had that. The less need yeah. for face to face for people to interact and bring the big big landman sheets or those big uh, seismic drawings and everything.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, and I just, I want to make note that, you know, the software is not just land specific. It is every single department. Sure. So right from seismic uh, reservoir to mineral land to planning, to uh, surface land, to licensing um, uh, engineering uh, uh, drilling engineering, completions engineering all the way through to recert so you've got extension de- decommissioneds, um, rec rim, all of that
0: so those I mean so let's we're going to talk about that again now because the tech of those each each the department has different ways of comp- holding their data and the the systems they use reservoir engineer has a different system than the seismic guys and the land people i mean do your do your ap do the the tech talk do the text
1: do they all yes. have to talk to each other yes yeah so there is accessibility again with the, the back end bridging to communicate that information yeah. back and forth between the systems again reducing that that data entry as well as redundancy
0: but your system if it if it's proprietary does it take into account, I guess that's back to your experience, you know what each of those departments, the types of software they've used over the legacy systems, right? Because
2: right.
0: in my review of tech over the last couple of years, and it's, you know, you get a lot of companies that say, look, we can pull data from any source file. And it, you know, right. the old knock was, oh yeah, but it's not compatible or it's not, it doesn't, it won't, that bridge doesn't exist because it's unstable. But that's sort of overcome now, today's SaaS and software.
1: Exactly. I mean, we have, a couple issues with some larger um, larger tech companies that some of the the uh, industry uses yeah. with not wanting to you know, <laughs> or making it a little difficult
2: yeah. to to share some of that information. Sure. Um, but they have to remember that the license
1: holder owns that proprietary information. All right, and so and so the the operator is as long as they're they're wanting that back end bridge there is accessibility to that back
0: data. So I want to talk now COVID because there was, I've had several guests who said during COVID and, and in tech, one example was the guy uh, 3D Cityscapes out of Toronto. And he said, you know, we were just kind of evolving our software and our data and things. And suddenly when COVID hit, people couldn't go out to the field. And so they need they needed the data that we had for them, for their property. Now, was that similar? Did you have sort of a, run on demand for, wait a minute, we can't get out there. We can't be in the office. Can you please give us what we gave you or something like that?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Again, not being able to have those those kickoff meetings, not being able to. Right. Um, well, and especially too with with the energy industry, the reduction of staff. So the massive amounts of people being laid off or transitioned yeah. has caused a lot of confusion or or work overload for for the folks that are left right. at uh, at the companies. So this again is a tool that will help. Those, those folks that are left still working, um, as well as being able to have clear and concise communication to the rest of the team for exactly where they are within those projects.
0: Yeah, because I mean, when I arrived to Calgary last, back after being overseas for, you know, last September, and the, you know, oil was already low and had been suffering for a few years, had companies not taken that initiative to, I mean, it sounds like for me, a no brainer to jump on, to get on it, right? Yes. But was it, was it a COVID kicker that really kicked some of the oil companies into place or was it happening already? You saw a trend happening pre-COVID. So,
1: so I saw a trend happening pre-COVID, but it has, um, escalated now now that covid is has been around for so long yeah
2: like
1: we're pushing we're pushing nine months now and and so now that that it's been extended out and it doesn't look like there will be vaccines till fall of, sure. of next year sure. so that the, these type of lockdowns may stay consistent over the next year so it's moving it into and i i hate to say this but it's the new norm at this point yeah so a lot of companies are are looking at um bringing a technology like this on now i I mean we talk about oil and gas i've also been working with geothermal companies and putting together their entire regulatory process sure um as well as utilities and uh um, the the first nations
0: well, I mean, this has got like this industrial, as you spoke, and I mean, I mentioned, I made the reference to project management in the construction industry. Yeah. You have, you don't have very similar, but you have those checkpoints, and you've got industrial plants, major industrial plants. I mean, exactly. your application. I wanted to go there. Now that you have, you know, compliance. This is Alberta. You've talked about AAR, but then you've got Canada. You got the globe. How this yeah. sounds like it, it could be ubiquitous around the globe,
2: or in, the, yeah. In, yeah.
1: But if we if we specify Canada right now, now the the agility for companies that most companies have reduced their their drilling yeah programs, but now have amped up their reclamation programs. And the reason for that is the federal and provincial governments are supporting a lot of this reclamation. report uh, that, okay, that's okay. Being projected. So again, with with on it, we we run algorithms to identify high, medium, low risk. On on reclamation, which then in turn allows them to forecast what their budget spend should be, right. as well as be able to report back to to say it, they they've given thirty wells to a service company to run their reclamation program on. That operator is still holding that license and is still responsible. So if that yeah. service provider isn't doing things to, to regulatory compliance and, and how do they really know besides what whatever data reporting that that service company is providing them, um, it, it keeps it transparent between that service provider and that operator who is responsible That's right. for that location and any work that goes to that location. So if they have... Um, any type of failure, or they're not conducting um, their their work in an effective and efficient manner, then the the spend could increase, and or the the work that's being complete is not is not up to whatever those standards are. Um, as well as you can set a proposed price for that project and with a back-end bridge to the accounting system associated to that AFE or cost center or whatever it That's is, right. That's you're right. able to track in real time what that actual spend is and where you are in that project. Again, it makes it transparent and it's a one-stop shop. You're not getting rid of your accounting system. Your accounting system holds all of those little details. Your just seeing it from from the, the full life cycle, this is what was proposed on this spend, and this is where we are with this spend. Um, it, it, it removes any of that, that those lookbacks, the, the project management lookbacks to see where, where you actually ended up, where yeah. was that bottleneck, all of that stuff is clearly identified within this project management system.
0: Well, I think it's it's interesting that you talk a lot about from. Land reclamation. I think hats off to your your grassroots back in Mount Royal, right? I mean, does how yeah. does that play a part? I mean, I'm thinking it does, but it, maybe you, you you know that you've said it several times, and not out of uh, you know maybe out of interest, but I think also you have that the knowledge. That's
1: right. That's right. And I mean, I do employ a, a ton of experts yeah. for for creating the the diversified software, but Again, it comes from my background in the mining industry, the, the farming industry. I mean, I, I grew up on a farm, all the way through <laughs> to being and negotiating landmen and climbing yeah. the the ivory ivory tower ladder to, to being a, a land manager at a junior company that was less than two thousand uh, barrels a day. Yeah. To, um, to when I when I quit there. We were over 25,000 BOE. And so, uh, and I was doing it still by myself with a part time administrator at sure. 25,000 BOE. And it's usually a department of 10 that, that would run that.
0: No, I, I, I just love those old stories. And that first of all, the farmer one, I had the Bessie. So the, um, Spencer Kerber was on with the Bessie box. And he literally, and it just reminded me, and I know it's not related, but it's it's taking, he cut out, 12 or 13, I remember the conversation, he said, I just cut out the 12 or 13 days from the farmer to the, you know, to the customer, the farm to fork. And it sounds like you've cut it, you know, you mentioned offline, or we talked a little bit about the 30 days down to a couple of minutes, the four days down to, literally, there's a lot of points there. And that goes from, from your experience, but also just, you know, the, the pain points and allowing people to do more efficient. You know, step back and do your day job,
1: and that's exactly yeah. But doing doing your your value added work yeah. as opposed to managing a project. Yeah, it. it you, you, some people don't think it takes that much time. It is inundating. It's in managing those projects and ensuring that each one of those those pivot points or, sure. or departments or subcontractors are are all doing all of their work that like they're supposed to. Um, it eliminates all of that. Like with our with our uh, automatic notifications, nothing is forgotten about. Nothing yeah. falls through that crack. As well as our automated documentation, it uh, it reduces that human error aspect, as well as increases efficiency and turnaround time.
0: You know I like how you say that about the the, de- the value added work because a consistent theme I'm hearing with a lot of different companies that I've had on the podcast but just in general is that sort of data scientists or data management to let the data speak for you and for example one of the my old auditor friends was on the podcast back uh, last year and now he's worked with rsm and he said we're hiring 50 percent data scientists to you know to help us understand the data the auditors Uh So I think you're you're becoming a data, everything I've seen, listening to you, you're a data management company, and you're giving the data to those individuals, the reservoir engineer, the land people, whoever they, and just let them do their day job. That's fantastic. Yes,
1: exactly. That is exactly what it is
0: Well, I think Randine, we're, we're on it. everybody knows. I love your symbol, by the way, the the check mark, uh, Thank which you. You know, it's like the in the O is a check, right?
1: Yeah. Exactly. It. Well, my, my marketing um, uh, team that did it was uh, Stronger Branding, Margot McKee. Oh, okay. She is one of the best marketing um, companies that I have ever worked with in my entire life. Stronger Branding, Margot McKee. I'll give her a
2: little. Plug. All right,
0: Margot, you're going to be on the podcast one of these days. We'll get you the invite. But let's go back to that, that on it. Did you? We never asked. I never asked you where the name came from
1: actually we working with Margo I was like I, I started off I, I when I created the company I originally called it surface land 101 okay but as I started developing out what the company actually was right it became bigger than just surface land and now it encompasses the entire
0: organization I gotta say surface land 101 sounds like we're going back to school too boring right.
1: Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so her and I were talking, and I'm, I'm giving her a description of exactly what what we are, how how we're gonna the, the, gonna service of the clients, right? And all of that. And she just looked at me, and she's like, "Because you're on it."
2: Oh, that's and, brilliant.
1: And I looked at her, and I'm like, "Yeah, we are on it." And she's like, "No, you're on it." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we're on it." <laughs> she's like, "No." Company
2: is called on uh,
0: That's and it. I was like, oh. That's it. Wow. So but,
1: that's that's ex- exactly how it just came. It came to uh, came to fruition.
0: I love that origin story. So, look, uh, Randine, how do people find you? I mean, I found you through you know I had to travel to Saskatchewan and I had to go to the Red River Valley and and but you know how do others find you? <laughs> well,
1: you can find us. Yes. or um, email me uh, personally at info, I-N-F-O at onett,
0: Right. Wonderful. Well, look, I'll get the tractor out and I'll start playing in the digging in the yard and I'll ask you for advice. <laughs> Uh, what, what's, you
1: better not be playing with the tractor in the yard until uh, <laughs> until you get a
0: survey completed. So I, I knew it. You're gonna like to get the gas guy in. He draws <laughs> the paints on the ground. Oh, come on, you just take the fun. There's no fun there in is, it. There is a regulatory process before you get your dirt digger out. <laughs> that is funny. We're gonna, but literally, Randine, thanks so much. It's been a great uh, chat today. And uh, Margot, you're on the you're on the podcast in the future.
1: Uh, a pleasure.
0: My pleasure. Have a great day and stay you safe. Too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.